one, two. All right. It's great to be here this morning. Um, and uh, yeah, welcome. When we first started, there weren't so many people here, but welcome to those who come in late. <laughs> and for those who came in early, it's good to have you here. Um, yeah, just before we get into the message, I just want to say thank you to the youth yesterday for the incredible fun day that they put on. Um, we really had an awesome time together, and it was just amazing to see people not wanting to leave. Eventually, we had to pack up around the people to get them to go. And so I just want to say thank you to the youth for an awesome job that you did. Yeah. So for those of you who've been coming for the last few weeks, you'll know that we've been busy with a purpose course, and so that's what we're going to be carrying on with this week. Um, we've still got this week and next week, and then we finished with the course. So over the last four weeks, we've seen our purpose is Christ, our purpose is Christ-likeness, our purpose is community. And then today we're going to be looking at our purpose is common good. So by common good, I mean that each of us as individuals, as well as collectively, may find ways to live out the gospel for the common good of people outside of the church. So many times we think that Jesus is just speaking to those who are in the church, but actually he's speaking not just to those in the church, but those outside of the church as well. And so practically it could look something like this. You, collect, uh, you select a career that serves the needs of people. You can practically serve the most vulnerable or marginalized people in the community. You can contend for things like justice for those that are not finding justice. You seek to overcome the divides between groups of people. You could be helping your company that you work for to make a difference in the community where they are at. And there are many other ways that you could be doing this. But for us, we need to be living out this common good. And this morning, I'd like to define what is this common good that Jesus is encouraging us and pushing us towards. And so before we do that, I want to settle this one truth. It's important for us to have a foundation to build on. And that's what I want to just lay here quickly this morning before we move on. We don't always know why God has put us in a place and what we are doing there. Sometimes we may not even want to be in the place where we are at. Because we don't understand why God has put us there. But the minute he comes and he reveals to us why he has put us there, it changes our purpose in that area. It changes why we are living. And so it's important for us just to know that foundation that it is God who has put us in the place where we are at. And some of us can be so busy trying to find our purpose somewhere else that we don't fulfill the purpose for why we are here right now. In other words, we're trying to find someplace better 
a better town, a better country, a better workplace, better schools. And we are so focused on that that we miss the purpose of why God has placed us where we are at. And I just felt that as I was preparing, I wanted to just put this word of caution out there. And I don't know, this is most probably for somebody here. I want to say you need to stop what you are planning on doing and find out from God if it is His will or not. I think so many times we rush into making our own plans that we never go before God and actually ask Him, God, is this all right for me to do? And I just felt that that was a word for someone today, that you need to stop what you're doing. The plans that you are making, stop and go and ask God, is it all right with Him? Wherever we find ourselves, God has put us there. And he has put us there for a reason and for the people that are there. You're not just here in Springs because this is where you grew up. Or you can't find somewhere else to go because you don't have the money to move anywhere else. No, God has a plan for you. And there are people here that you need to reach. Wherever you are, you don't need to wait until you move somewhere else to find your purpose. Find your purpose right here where you are at. Many think that they are outside of the purpose of God. But God is saying, where I have placed you, you are in my purpose. And I, and I really just feel that this is important for us to hear this morning because I know especially like for the young people, your biggest desire is to finish school, go to university and get out of Springs. But I want to say to you, God has a plan for this town. And there are people in this town that need to be reached. So don't just want to run away. If you do go, ask God, is it right for me to go? Otherwise, if he says no, then you stay here because there's something you need to do in this town. And so there's a story of a pastor who every Sunday would close off the meeting like this. He says, wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. God has a purpose in you being right where you are. Christ who dwells in you by the power of his spirit wants you to do something. Sorry, wants to do something in and through you. Believe this and go in the grace and in his love, in his power, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I think this is so powerful. This is a reminder to all of us that we are not just here to take up oxygen or use up oxygen. God has a plan and purpose for our lives. And that's what we've been hearing through this course. Like I said in the beginning, there are some people who believe we don't have any purpose, that there is no reason for us being here. But we've seen over the weeks that, no, we are here because God has purposed us to do something on this earth. And that's not just for some people, it's for all of us. So let's go back to talking about the common good. Jesus never really uses this term, the common good. But he does teach us a lot about it. 
And so the main story that we're going to be focusing on this morning is the story of the Good Samaritan. And I know that for many of you who've been in church for a while or in Sunday school, you've most probably heard the story a number of times. And you say, I, I, I know the story. I want to say to you, don't close off your heart. Ask God to give you a new revelation this morning from the story. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to read from verse 25 to 37. Luke 10, verse 25 to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teach, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I'm sure that there are some here today, and you're asking that same question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And so this is what Jesus said to them. What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. What Jesus is saying here is that our first purpose is to love God. And our second purpose is to love our neighbor. We saw in week two that our vertical relationship, in other words, our relationship between God and man, will determine our horizontal relationship, our relationship between people that we associate with here on earth. And if our relationship between us and God is not in a good place, our relationship between those around us, those that we associate with, are maybe not in such a good place as they should be, Carrying on from verse 29, but he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And so that's the question that we are wanting to answer this morning, and it's a good question to ask, because many of us think it's, is it just those who are in the church? Is it another believer, or is it the atheist down the road? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. See, priests and Levites were highly, re sorry, were highly respected. And they were the ones who should have helped this man. That was their duty but we see they walk across onto the other side of the road. They probably thought to themselves, well, is this man worth helping? He's, he looks like he's going to die in any case, so why waste my time with him? This is going to cost me something. I'm going to have to bandage him up, take him to hospital. Is it worth it? But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and pour, sorry, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, 
And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And so Samaritans were hated by the Jews because of their corruption and their idolatry. And in John 4 verse 9, this is going to the story where Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well. And Jesus asks the Samaritan woman at the well for a drink. She says to Jesus, how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate themselves with Samaritans. So going back to the story here, we can see that what this guy did, this, what this Samaritan did, was something very unusual, because he should have been the one who just walked on by. He shouldn't have helped that guy that was laying there. But we can see that he had a different heart. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And so there are three lessons that we can learn from the story that we want to look at this morning. The first one is the who, the second is the why, and the third is the what. So the first is, who is my neighbor? And Jesus is wanting us to understand, he's trying to help us understand who our neighbor is. Because many times our view of who our neighbor is is skewed. And like I mentioned earlier, we think, no, it's just those in the church. It's just our brothers in Christ. Maybe it's just our family or the guy who stays next door to us. But Jesus is teaching us that there is a difference between believers in Christ and neighbors. And the true neighbor that Jesus is telling us to love is anybody who is in need. See, that changes the whole concept of who our neighbor is. Oftentimes we think that our responsibility is just to take care of those in the church, those who are our friends. But Jesus is telling us our neighbor is anyone. And the purpose of the common good is to love our neighbor. The second one is, why should we love our neighbors? We love our neighbors because of a person's God-given worth. The worth of a person has not been decided by us. It has been decided by God. We love others because of Christ's love for us. And I think many of us here in this room, we would have to say, I am unworthy of love. If we had to look back on our lives because of the mess-ups that we made. But Christ looks at us through different eyes. And he says, no, you are worthy. You have a value. And many of us don't want to dig down and find the value in people because we feel it's a waste of time. It's going to take too long. But Jesus is not like that. He finds the value in each and every one of us. And Jesus shows us how to love like he does. If we ask him, he will give us a heart for people. 
See, but many of us, we see people according to color, according to race, culture, financial status, the position that they hold, their gender, and the filters that we used to look at people through are different to the filters that Jesus uses to look at people. He sees them as his children, as precious in his sight, loved. He died for them. He paid a high price for them. And if Jesus sees them that way, and we call ourselves children of God, then we should see people through the same lens that Jesus uses to look at people. We don't look down on those less fortunate than us. And so the difference between the Samaritan, the priest, and the Levite is that the Samaritan put himself in that person who'd been beaten up's position. And he said, what would I have done if that was me? I would have wanted someone to help me and take care of me. And so he put himself in that position and he went and he helped that man. When the Father looks down upon us, he sees us the same way as what we would see a loved one who is precious to us. For those of us who are parents, we know how much our children mean to us. We would die for them. We would give up everything for them. If they were sick, we'd sell everything for them so that we could see them healed because we love them. And it was the same with our father. He gave up everything, the best that he had, his son Jesus, to come and die for us so that we could one day be restored and have right relationship with him. So if God values people so much, then we should value them just as much. When you look at someone in the eyes, remember you are looking at God's prized possession. So often we look at people and we think, I mean, you're just a waste of time. No, actually they are God's prized possession. God sees us all as equal, and he labels us with love. So we love others because of Christ's love for us. We love them because of God's given worth, and then we love them because we can identify with the love that Christ has for us. All of us were sinners. All of us were going to a crisis eternity. If it was not for the love of God, we wouldn't be here today. God would have wiped us out long ago if he didn't love us. But it's because of the love that he has for us that we are here today. And so this next story that I want to tell you is also out of the Bible. And I'm, give me a little bit of license just to, to add in a few little things just to, to maybe make it hit home a little bit harder. So it's the story of the prophet Isaiah in the Bible. And he was a prophet, and God used him many times to go and speak to the nations and, and tell them what God was going to do. But there was a time when God came to Hosea, and he said to him, Hosea, now I want you to do something. And when I first read the story, I thought, well, God, how can you ask him to do that? But when you go and read the story and you see what it actually symbolizes, you get to understand what it means. So God says to him, I want you to go and marry Goma. 
And for those of you who've read the story, you'll know that Gomer was a prostitute. And so Hosea obeys and he goes and he marries Gomer. And things are going well. And then all of a sudden, one night, Goma decides she can't do this any longer. And she leaves Hosea, and she goes back to a life of being a prostitute. And when Hosea realizes what has happened, he's broken because of his wife leaving him and going back to being a prostitute. And God says to him, I want you to pursue her. I want you to go after her. And so Isaiah goes looking for her, and he finds her in the marketplace for sale as a sex slave. And there are men that are busy bidding on her. And because of what God has told Isaiah, he starts bidding on his wife, and eventually he wins the highest bid, and he gets his wife back. You see, Isaiah paid a price for someone who already belonged to him. As you sit here in this place today, God has paid a price for you. Whether you like it or not, God has paid a price for you through Jesus Christ. The price was the cross. And when I start to picture the story of Isaiah, I picture a man going into dark street corners where prophets shouldn't be going into brothels, maybe along the road, bumping into clients. And he's asking him, have you seen my wife, Goma? And the person's saying, yes, I was with her last night, but I don't know where she is today. Can you imagine how that must have made Isaiah feel? The pain that he must have gone through. You see in this story, you and I are the Gomas, and Jesus is the Isaiah, and he is the one who has come looking for us in those darkest corners, in the, in the worst places where we have found ourselves. God has come looking for us. The places where Jesus shouldn't have been, and in the story of the Good Samaritan, we are those who are laying on the side of the road who have been beaten up by the robbers. Beaten up by sin. Beaten up by insecurity and pain. And Jesus comes just like that good Samaritan. But this is the difference between Jesus and that good Samaritan. He didn't do it at the risk of his life. He did it at the price of his life. Jesus paid the ultimate price to save us. It cost him his life. And the Good Samaritan is just a picture pointing to the Great Samaritan, who is Jesus. And when we come to realize that every person is valued and loved by God, and that a price was paid for them by God, surely every person's value in our eyes needs to increase. And we can't look at people the way that we have been looking at them. The great Samaritan, our Hosea, Jesus, loved us so much that he paid the ultimate price for every person on the face of this planet.
those who have already passed, us and those who are still to come. The third point, what does it mean to love our neighbor? When the Samaritan saw the man on the side of the road, he didn't go over to the man and ask him, what happened? What did you do to get beaten up? You must probably deserve the hiding that you got. I just want to know what kind of a person are you before I help you? No, he saw the need and he went and he helped him. And Jesus doesn't put any preconditions to loving a neighbor. He says to us, love them. Regardless of who they are, regardless of what they've done. I'm not saying that we condone the lifestyle that people live. I'm saying help them out of the lifestyle. That is what we are called to do. That is what a neighbor does. And that's why Jesus is saying to us, love your neighbor. So what does it mean to love our neighbor? Jesus makes it simple. He says, do something. Take action. Talk is cheap. I want to see you doing something. And the difference between the priest And the Levite and the Samaritan is that the Samaritan actually did something. He didn't just leave that man there on the side of the road. He did something. And so in Jeremiah 22, verse 3, this is what the Lord says. Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place. In other words, what he is saying, do something. And that is what this purpose of common good is for. It is for doing something. When you see someone in need, when you see someone battling, do something about it. Don't leave them in that situation you find them in. So in closing this morning, you are where you are because God has put you there or because he has sent you there. You have the ability to do something, so do it because you are compelled to do it because of the love of Christ. Jesus did something for us so that we could be restored to the Father. So every person that we come into contact with is our neighbor. And the purpose of common good is us doing something for our neighbor. And it's as simple as that. And so as I close, I want to just pray this prayer over us. That same prayer that that pastor prayed over his church each time when they closed off the meeting. Wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. God has a purpose in you being right where you are. Christ indwells you by the power of his spirit. 
He wants you to do something, sorry, he wants to do something in and through you. Believe this and go in his grace and in his love and in his power. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so there's one last order of business for this morning, and that's the announcements. So can Valencia come up and do the announcements, please? Welcome to City Base. Um, do we have any first-time visitors today? Okay, uh, those visiting us for the first time, you can collect your free be hot beverage from the coffee bar. Okay, the coffee bar now offers iced teas, iced coffees, sorry, as well as cappuccino, espresso, hot chocolate, and mochas. Did we have any, first, uh, any birthdays and anniversaries in the last week? Okay, you can collect the tithes and offering, and the banking details will be on the screen. And a reminder of the ministries we support as a church. The Almond Tree Baby Home, Hope Itemba Pregnancy Center, City-Based Pantry for Food Parcels, Hope, Faith, and Grace Community Youth Project, and indicate on your envelope or EFT to which ministry you would like to contribute. If you would like to join our hospitality team, please speak to Candice after the meeting. And then there will be a meeting for young adults, 18 and older, at New Day Church on Friday, the 24th of March, from 6.30 p.m. to 9.30. Uh, speak to Alex or for more information. And a team from City Base will be visiting the Door Church in Guatemala on Sunday, the 26th of March. Uh, speak to Alex if you would like to join the team. And for Girls Club, I would like to call Chelsea. Um, good morning, church. Uh, just a reminder, ladies, give me a whoop whoop. Yeah, so everyone that just said a whoop whoop, you are invited to our girls club pizza and paints night. So you need to bring a friend, your appetite, yourself, and your artistic flair. If you want to be the next Pachi or the next Leonardo DiCaprio, please join us for that night. A reminder that you please need to bring your 150 rand by the 26th of March to book your spots. Thank you. Thank you, Chelsea. And we will be celebrating uh, Easter. Uh, come celebrate Easter with us at City Base, and we will be having an Easter Friday sunrise worship service on Friday, the 7th of April, from 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. 
and our normal regular Sunday service on Sunday, the 9th of April from, from 9 a.m. See you then. And uh, we, will we will be offering, we will be officially be welcoming people into our city base on the city base family on Sunday, the 16th of April. If you have attended a DNA course and would like to be welcomed in, please speak to Tony after the service. Okay, and we will also be having baby dedication on the 16th of April. Speak to Belinda if you would like to dedicate your baby or child at that service. If you need help keeping track of all these dates, get a monthly planner for March and April from the info desk. And the last, uh, the last one, I'll call uh, Tony for for that announcement. Thank you. Good morning, church. Must say, you look like an awesome bunch of people today, hey? <laughs> yeah. So um, it's just a admin thing. If you are um, a city baser and you are part of this church, and even if you're not part of this church, I'd like to just give you some instructions on parking. Um, and the reason for that is we have people who park really well and park really badly. <laughs> so <laughs> if you park really badly, come to me for lessons. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> um, but just so that you know, the parking in front here by the windows is more for elderly people. So those people who can't walk well um, are a whole lot older than most of the young people like Sunjin and Dion and myself. Um, <laughs> um, so those are the parking parkings designated for them. So if you're younger, please refrain from parking there. Rather park at the back of the church. Um, and then you'll see there are visitor park visitors' parkings as well. Uncle Derek, you can't park in a visitor's parking. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so those are specifically um, outlined for visitors. And we're trying to keep it tight and trying to keep it good so that um, when the visitors come, they're welcomed into the church and they don't have to walk a six-mile walk from the back or wherever it is. <laughs> or through the mud we are. There is another thing. Our parking lot is really becoming full. We are busy on acquiring that property, as you should know by now. But if you find that the parking is awful, you can park in front of the church, in front of the palisade, parallel to the palisade, or at the back, parallel to the fence as well. Um, so don't feel that there isn't any parking. Our car guards are instructed to actually watch your cars and make sure that your cars are looked after properly. What we have asked them to do is ha we've asked them to actually walk around as well and make sure that there aren't any people that are looking out to try and pinch our cars. This thing is funny. Amen. So if you, if you are um, here for the first time, please go to the back, have a cappuccino, chai tea, whatever it is that you want, you can have that. And have a blessed day and have a blessed week. Amen.